Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and without beer, we'll be crying a lot. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pinchon. Uh, and starting <laughs> Is that how you say it? <laughs> I've heard both. It just he sounds very on... French to say it that way. I think it's Pinchon. Pinchon. <laughs> it's not like Pinchon. No, it's not <laughs> quite that French, but it's not Pinchon. Pin- pinch on is how he says it. Oh, I've ever, only heard it said out loud by me, so I don't know. <laughs> so he was on an episode of The Simpsons and playing himself. Yes, and he when Marge, he hardly does any. So as far as far as I know, he hardly does anything. Like he, he never does, does interviews, does no press. But he did an episode of The Simpsons. His kid liked it, but he did episode of The Simpsons. He did the recordings of the vocals with a bag over his head because he's never had a photo taken of him after age twenty. There have been a few, but never ones he allowed. They're like paparazzi. <laughs> he he lives in Manhattan. He lives on the Upper West Side, apparently. Still alive? Yeah. yeah. Someone, they took a picture of him in like 2018, I think, or 2020, like whatever election, him walking like to the polls. Like a Bigfoot setting. <laughs> yeah, but like, how do they even know at that point? Like an old white guy on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, that's not really a sight that I mean, I, you don't yeah. see often. But anyway. It's an in- Instagram account saying... Is this Thomas Pynchon? And it's just a bunch of fucking pictures of random old white guys. People are like, maybe. Could be. <laughs> He's carrying a book. Pynchon. Um, Thomas Pynchon. So um, this book, full spoiler, we're going to fuck this up. <laughs> we are not going to do this well. Though according to postmodernist theory, maybe we're supposed to? <laughs> I don't know what postmodern theory is still. We can get into that. I have a theory about postmodern theory. Yeah, then by its we'll own definition, you are correct. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main character is Oedipa Ma- Moss. Wait, hold on. Why are we doing this book? Oh, because someone wanted us wanted... to read a longer book by Thomas Pinchon. <laughs> and we're like, let's ease into it. Someone had suggested, requested, we do Gravity's Rainbow, which is on my you know bucket list of you know hard, famous books. And we we're like, mm, at this we point, want to start with the after I one? kick the buffet, bucket list. <laughs> this is my, I want to put it in a bucket and shit on it list. Um, <laughs> someone had asked us to do Gravity's Rainbow, and we said, I think, last week, why don't we do a, his shorter, other famous book first? Yeah. And not hurt ourselves. I hurt and I was like, still. oh, thank God. <laughs> and then you had to read it, and you're like, ah, there is no God. <laughs> well, I knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> It's the story of Oedipa Mas, Mass, and she has to be the executor, the executrix of the will of her former boyfriend, who's really rich, or who was really rich. So you could say he has stacks on stacks. Mm. <laughs> this is from Other Half. It's called Stacks on Stacks. This is a double dry hopped Imperial Pale Ale. It's 8.5% alcohol. Do we have this during Fifty Shades? I can't remember. It would make sense there. We didn't have, uh, there weren't enough beers called like, oh, it's so tight, Pilsner. <laughs> oh, Anastasia, and one day I'm going to fuck your breasts. Oh, no, we had it during Brown Dianetics. <laughs> stacks on stacks? Yeah. This Probably is great. the filing system, I guess, of engrams. I don't know. Who knows? Or just making money from uh, cults. Selling bullshit. I thought I did four easy payments for that. Oh, we did all of them. Anyway, it's a great double IPA. Yeah, so the boyfriend whose name was Pierce Inveriart. I couldn't, I could never figure out how to say this. Inverarity? Inverarity. That's how I was saying it in my head. That sounds right. As he much as has died. He's never in the book, but he was rich. He was involved in like every business in the world in California. And she, for whatever reason, is the executor of his will. That's she gets a starts. phone call in the middle of the night from a random person who happens to be the, a lawyer. Saying, you've been named executor of in the will of Inverarity. And she's like, uh, what? And then she decides to do it. And that's like page two. And you're like, okay, I could understand that a little bit. Go on, page three. And you're like, <laughs> no. That's when it gets confusing. Page three, all downhill. Yep. So that one of the things this book does, and this is very postmodern, if you're, you know, the postmodern literature. And by that, I mean... Um, this guy and like David Foster Wallace and other authors of that type. There's Joseph just, Heller. Yeah, Joseph Heller for sure. 
There's just tons of ridiculous stuff. Just crazy things happen that don't make sense. The characters have stupid names that aren't realistic, like Mike Fallopian. Well, I looked it up because I wasn't still not sure, even after you know years of knowing the word and looking up the definition several times before today. Still not 100% sure what it means, but it, the, the gist of it from what I get is in terms of there's postmodern literature, there's also postmodern the philosophy and art shit like that. But for fiction, it tends to be best described or easiestly described as fiction that is aware that it is fiction. Metafiction. So yeah, it's like a lot of like the name. Is, is, it's, it's like almost satirical, but it's not always actually satire. It's different from magical realism, where magical realism is just magical stuff kind of happens, whereas in, the in real world. this book, it's not that anything is magical exactly. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, so here's the way postmodernism was explained to me once. Well, first, to the person who explained it said, they're really, it's really hard to define postmodernism. It's almost like there isn't a good, a perfect definition, but he said it came about because of the first world war and the second world war because the first the prior to the first world war the world was about industrialization in order in science and logic but order and science and logic and technology just brought untold devastation first world war second world war and that just doesn't make sense like that logic and raisin and science was going to destroy everything. Raisin? That just doesn't make sense. Did I say raisin? Yeah. I mean, raisins don't make sense, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. No. How many beers did you pregame with, Nate? <laughs> None, but I'm about to start one. Okay. Uh, so because... Here's his raisin des- uh, dex- If If, if science <laughs> and logic ultimately leads to complete catastrophe then nothing makes sense and mod- postmodernism is like nothing makes sense or it's more like modernism was like l- order and logic and so po- postmodern postmodernism is like throw order and logic out the window we're not doing any of that oh we talked about and this so, during the trout fishing episode because that was yes. just gibberish as well yeah i would uh, i mean i, I am there. besides that explanation I know nothing about postmodernism, so if that's wrong... No, that's, that's pretty much right, from what I, I right? understand. So, also, I, I would say this book does fit that in a number of ways, but, uh, a good, but the person who was explaining this to me used the example of Catch-22, a book we should do on the podcast, oh, but I really... I like, yeah, fuck. I, I agree. Same thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, because Catch-22 is about the military, and the military is supposed to be about order and logic and structure and strategy in order to win. But in Catch-22, nothing makes sense. It's about the military and just nothing, even something that's supposed to be orderly is complete chaos. This, and so that's postmodernism. Whereas this book, well, first of all, I'm, you know what? I'm going to open a beer. <laughs> this is called Strange Times with a Z. By Finback. Post-spelling. <laughs> Postmodern spelling of strange times, yes. Because spelling doesn't matter, so you can just spell it any way you want it. And this is an IPA, 7% alcohol with... I need better lights Clocks. in here. Okay. Is that, is that silver on neon green? You're not going to be able to read that. We're old now. Need locus? a decoder ring. With locus? Sabro and Idaho 7? L-O-K-U-S? Is that what that says? I'm really not. I'm really not sure. I I have no idea. Sabro and Idaho 7 sound like characters in this book. They could be, but... um, To the members of the Paranoids. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Uh, It's a good beer. Yeah, definitely. The last thing I would add to my understanding, and again, we don't fucking know anything about what postmodernism is, is it is aware that it's a text, so it often does, like, like, writes about itself in weird self-referencing ways but also irony is a big component and like dark or black humor um is also in there and i think this book has all those things too like this goofy nonsense that doesn't make any sense well like for weird, playful stuff that's silly yeah for for what was like postmodern philosophy i read it summed up as traditional stuff was like tradition is good and then Modern stuff was like, why is this good? And postmodern is like, there's nothing. So, there's nothing as good. 
nothing is objectively true. Everything is whatever, you know, it's all about subjective experience by everyone. So there's no, I don't say there's no facts, but like it's nothing means anything just because we say it does. Everything should be questioned at all times. Fuck it. Fuck it all. Fuck tradition. Also, Camus was a postmodernist, I believe, in his, you know... I believe that. You know, you know, his answer to, like, what is the meaning of life? There isn't one. But you should just go on anyway. That's basically... Yeah, don't kill yourself, it. though. <laughs> yeah, is there a meaning somewhere. to life? No. It's all pointless. But just go on anyway. Okay, so Oedipamas, she or Mass, one of those two, uh, she goes to meet with a lawyer whose name is metzger and they like start going through his stuff like his papers and find that he owns a ton of things now i really don't really understand what an executor actually does either so but um anyway they're going through with generally they're supposed to like determine everything that is in the will and who gets who gets what also like settle the any outstanding debts that the yeah. estate has. Grand reconciliation of someone's stuff after they die. Yeah. So you yeah, pay off you anything that has to be paid off, and then you do. give out whatever has to be given out. Well, normally you wouldn't just sure. get some random person to do it. You'd have, like, a lawyer. No, I mean, you do often name a family member as executor. Like when I made... When I made but my sometimes will, like a grown up. decisions have to be made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. if you sometimes have vast... decisions have to be made, so they just name somebody in the will to make the decision, and then it doesn't. You know, you don't have to get lawyers. You don't have to get more lawyers involved. If you have a vast business empire, you wouldn't choose your ex girlfriend though, because it's no. very hard. Unless you That's really want to say "fuck you," ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> Deal with you this. Cunt? <laughs> you th- so you thought you could dump me. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh Anyway, she's hanging out with the lawyer, and they decide to go to... Okay, this all takes place in California. It is really about California in the 50s and 60s, which I have more about uh, that I'll explain in a little while. So they go out to basically a, not a housing development, but more like a town where Inverarity owned a whole bunch of stuff, and they stay at a hotel. A motel. A very motel. Okay, I'm sorry. Holiday. It's, it's motel where... Very strange things happen. One of which is, well, first of all, Metzger is trying to fuck her, but also they're watching a movie on television. But the movie stars Metzger when he was a little kid. So it's him when he was a child actor. But the movie is about the landings at Gallipoli. It's about a guy getting revenge for like, not for being called a pussy at Gallipoli by yeah. taking his toddler son and a dog in a quote midget submarine to go exact revenge on Johnny Turk and it's and it's called cashiered and uh, which is a pun right isn't that a fucking naval term in some sense well, I have no idea I think I'm sure because everything in this book is a reference to something else so I'm sure. See. Which, you know, you would think has something to do with the with the rest of the plot, but I don't think it does. I don't think that has anything to do with the rest of the book at all. Well, you know, he was an he was a lawyer that used to be a child star, and he's working with another guy who's an actor who, who is also a, a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. Well, so cashiered is when you get demoted, basically in the military. Apparently. Yeah. Well, there you go. This is one of those books where. You're not sure if you found, like, I, I was not sure if I, like, oh, that's a good connection. This probably means that. Or if I'm just looking so hard that I will just find any connection that might potentially, you know. Well, right right at the beginning, the main character's name, Oedipa, which has to be from Oedipus. So you're like, oh, it, but is this going to fuck her dad? And then, nope, nothing has absolutely nothing to do with anything. But in the or. Book. Is it the Greek pronunciation is Oedipa, and you put it all together, it's eat up my ass, is what her name is. <laughs> you can't prove it's not that. Well, I think that's, oh, man. that's a huge part of this book, <laughs> because the whole book, well, the whole point is what for is as real. little sense as it makes, which is almost none, and I retained almost none of it after finishing it, um, yeah. the whole point is that she gets involved in this 
conspiracy detective quest where or everything could mean something or maybe it doesn't and you're never sure if it actually is something useful and neither is she so she gets so she's at this like motel and she bangs the dude but there's also a like surf rock band but after they play a weird que- like strip question game about strip the movie Botticelli. Yeah, which I, I didn't know. Is that a thing? No, it's <laughs> and, not. I mean, and she maybe first I puts on all time. the clothes she owns. So she's like, remember that viral video of the guy wearing like a fifty t-shirts? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing. Also, <laughs> she's like that, and just but she falls over and can't get up. She's like a turtle. <laughs> I read a thing. Uh, one in my attempt to understand anything that fucking happened in this book, I read a thing where it's like, well, see, she puts on. A lot of all of her clothes and the place is the strip Botticelli, but she, the clothes represent how as many clothes as she can take off, you can never get to the core of what the character is. She can't be understood. It's like, okay, maybe. Who the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. knows? <laughs> maybe that's true. <laughs> okay, well, then what was the significance of the hair, hairspray can that she knocks over that is just flying around the bathroom? Like, ah, she hairspray. knocks over the hairspray and it breaks the mirror and it's like, it's like a pro- like a flying projectile, dangerous. It's basically, thing in this what room. happened in a fan's note. Did that happen? Except less elaborate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kills Mister Blue when, the, when that can oh, explodes yeah. and embeds himself in his neck. <laughs> a little old racist man. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to go postmodern on it and say that the hairspray flying around is um, objective truth, <laughs> and it flies everywhere. But it in the end serves no purpose. I'm going to go post Malone modern on it and say all that, but auto tuned. And be sponsored by Bud Light. Is he sponsored by Bud Light? He should. The man. He, he, they sponsor the man post Malone. Really? Are you yes. fucking with me? Oh, man. He is I a think human he, I think being. he also drinks a lot of Bud Light. He looks like it. He looks like he drinks a lot of <laughs> liquid meth. <laughs> Speaking of that, and everybody in this book, all the characters in this book are fucking weird. It's a real freak parade. <laughs> <laughs> this is Freak Parade from Drecker. Out of Fargo, and it says at the top, Nodak, which I assume is North Dakota, unless there's another Fargo out there. And it is an IPA, and it is Vic Secret, Eldorado Mosaic, and a bunch of other stuff. And I don't see a percentage on here anywhere. Whatever, I'll find out. It's good. It's lovely. I guess this is like the new thing where like up front it's like a hazy kind of vibe the juice worthiness but the aftertaste is all bitter maybe they're you know circling back around it's only only so many only so many ways you can make an ipa i guess three <laughs> <laughs> and two are wrong um so we should say by the way this beer is brought to us by our supporters at patreon if you want to support the podcast you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club where you could support the podcast and get early access to episodes Tangible goods, vote in our monthly book poll, get shouted out, exclusive content, join us for our live episodes, and so much more. So if you're interested in that, and if you request a book, we'll sometime get around to it, like this book, which was not requested, (laughs) but was good enough, similar to one that was requested. So we're going to count it. (laughs) We'll do it unless we really don't want to. We might. There's only been one book so far. We might substitute your suggestion with a book of equal or lesser value. (laughs) (laughs) Exchange rate may vary. Uh, Or you could also support the podcast by just leaving us a review and, you know, uh, telling people to check it out. So, Nate, you were about to tell us about the the fake Beatles band, and we're still on page nine. Okay, so here's something a little bit about California in the 50s and 60s. So California had huge population growth. In really like the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And so it was like everything was new. And also it attracted all kinds of people, obviously, as as it would. So on one side, one parts of California, you have sort of these super liberal things you think of California today. You know, even, I mean, not a, certainly all of it, but, you know, some places like the, like when this was published, the sort of like counterculture of you know, San Francisco was becoming a thing. But the other thing about California, it is also the source of American conservatism. 
like really the American conservative movement, or at least like post-war conservatism, which was sort of getting its... Mm, maybe mm. uh which was sort of getting itself back together after its crushing defeat and by uh, by franklin delano roosevelt so really was based in california and really like orange county uh in among really um like military contractors and like the aerospace industry and that was really like the heart of american conservatism really you could kind of say reagan conservatism which elected California elected Ronald Reagan governor in 1966 who uh, campaigned on literally like shooting the protesters on the college campuses. So, you know, that he would, that if there was a big protest that he would order the national guard to open fire on them. So, you know, that's the kind of guy he was also the home of the John Birch society, which was even mentioned once in the book, John Birch society was like, well, today, like the super right-wing nut The guys nut who said jobs, Eisenhower was a secret communist. The guys saying well, that, true. you know, putting, <laughs> putting fluoride in drinking water was a communist plot. You know, that, those were those people. Also, it, they're really like the, the Alex Jones. The Alex Joneses of the 1950s yeah, were really they're like... crazy. That's the John Birch they're Society. They're still around. Yeah, I don't think they're gone. When their ideas have suddenly become mainstream. Wow, yeah. <laughs> look at that. But anyway, that California in the 1950s had both of those things. So it was just a wild and crazy place. Or it was strange times. Yeah. So it's a crazy place, but it's also a place, I don't know if it was at the time, but California is a place certainly today has the reputation of being uh, superficial and fake, and phony. Well, we, tend to, we, we tend to say that it's really just L.A. Yeah, but L.A. is like how many fucking millions and millions of people live there? And uh, Also, I you mean, go relative to, the, to the, the other... The population of California itself, it's not that much. It's, it's a big, if, it's a big chunk. L.A. Certainly. County... It's, it's a, LA it's a County decent chunk, huge. for sure. L.A. County has like 20 million people in it. Yeah. Well, L.A. County is like, is like half, the, half the fucking thing. But if you... Um, but one of the themes in the book is like, what is real? You know, like, so I don't know if that's again. It, am I just anything? The guy in English class is trying too hard. Was or already Hollywood was already big in L.A. at the time. Although this book, you actually the does have a little bit to do with Hollywood because of the movie about Gallipoli. Also, the book takes place in the fictional California city of San Narciso, which is pretty Narcissism. blunt. Yes, but this is before all the tech bros got there. Yeah. So she somehow finds out about the independent postal carriers, which <laughs> leads her to... Well, actually, she goes to the play. No, no. yeah, no. She, uh, she finds okay, out... I don't remember first, the order. First, you have to meet the stupid band, the, the, the Paranoids, who is like the bellhop. And they're a band that makes... You know, they're chicks. Americans who sing like they're English. And have Beatles haircuts. Which is funny because the Beatles were English but sang like they were American. Right, exactly. So it's all like, I mean, this is, this is like the kind of, what I think of as the postmodern kind of, ha-ha, kind of joke <laughs> they would yeah. put in there. I can hear him yelling every two sentences, get it? Yeah, right? <laughs> see, what, see what it did there? <laughs> no, all right. You're going to love this next one. Wait till you meet Mike Fallopian. Well, she does meet Mike Fallopian pretty soon after this because she meets the band and then she goes to a bar nearby to get drunk and where that's where she meets Mike Fallopian who is in the <laughs> the Peter Pinguid group uh, who, he call, who he says <laughs> yeah. is to the right of the John Birch Society because they honor Peter Pinguid, the guy who <laughs> took a boat around the continent to uh, keep the Civil War going from California, but gets blown up by the Russian Navy on the way. And so that's why they hate communists, or they don't anymore. It's very hard to keep track. Now, it uh, is. Anyway, she finds out about real, the... real, right? <laughs> no, I don't. Real, I really don't think no, so. No, it's not real. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but what is real? <laughs> Objectively, not anyway, that. And she finds out about the... The Tristero. Well, she find, and the the independent mail carriers because a lot of this book is about a conspiracy 
maybe. But also, <laughs> apparently, that is a postal service. <laughs> Dude, when there was I a real a, thing um, in the eighteen like forties and fifties. The private mail companies sprang up, and the government just fucking crushed them. Fuck oh, that me. was real. Oh yeah, not not these particular ones. No, but there were private mail companies that sprang up in the mid nineteenth uh, century, and the government just legislated their asses out of business. What's this guy's name? Uh, uh, Lysander Spooner is one that of those can't guys. Be a real name? Come on. Oh, he's, he's a libertarian Spooner? hero. Yeah. Oh, of um, course. <laughs> fighting for the right to mail underage children through the post office. <laughs> Say, fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he had the American Letter Mail Company in the eighteen forties. That it was essentially it was uh, outlawed, even though he was able to send mail cheaper. Charge less for sending a letter than the post office could at the time. They just fucking made it illegal for his company to exist. <laughs> it was a real thing. Well, the post carrying the mail is actually in the Constitution, so that's why it was could be designated as like a federal monopoly. But we have private companies anyway, now. But it seems really weird that you would try and set up a separate mail system because the U.S. mail is literally like it is a it's mandated to uh uh deliver everywhere and it's a it's basically not for profit i mean they don't it's not operated to make a profit so yeah, no, how they, could no, you they don't even operate to break even <laughs> they stink and right now well, they don't even come close to breaking to. even well I mean, now they're i mean they're supposed to break even but they're not even coming close one to of the reasons the spooner is a libertarian hero is because he one of the main reasons he made this company was he thought it was immoral for the government to have a monopoly on anything. <laughs> well, yeah, so, I'll give him that. But it turned out it wasn't illegal for them to have it. <laughs> so they put him out of business. So that's, again, that's a real thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's real stuff mixed in here, and that's what makes it hard to tell what's real and what's not. Because some of the anyway, real stories are just as crazy. She keeps seeing the symbol of the post horn or the muted post horn and my uh ebook had like a image in it which yep. i'm yeah. not even sure if it came out right it but is. it was basically like a triangle with a line and a little thing in front of it, it. like and a hieroglyphic of a trumpet that is the symbol of the you know illegal underground mail carriers where there are maybe people <laughs> maybe yeah, exactly maybe where people are required to send a letter, even if they don't have anything to say. <laughs> like, you, once a week, you just have to send a letter. The Which, ultimate union thing. Mandatory <laughs> minimums. But then the question, why is it muted? Right? Like, that's an announcement horn, like a bugle. Why would you mute such a because thing? it's a secret? I don't know. Or because it doesn't make sense, this postmodernism. Yeah, that's just, true. It is Holy shit, guys. We're talking all about the mail. post Modernism. Oh my oh god! Shit! Fucking! <laughs> I'll drink to that. We're done here. <laughs> oh god! We did it, boys. <laughs> Got him. Honestly, discussing this book has made way more sense than reading this book, and neither makes sense. <laughs> no. So she go, and then I like she reading ends this. Up I felt going... like I was hearing a homeless man's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I have powers. So I. So um. Then she goes to see a. Play, oh. which the which in the book, which in the book, goes into so much detail about what happens it's in the, the play. play, and I was like, I was like, why is all of this in here? And then, and the then there's called like the Courier's week. Tragedy, and it's a Jacobian, Jacobian, Jacobian. Myers, um, Jacobi- Jacobian. <laughs> it's a Jacobian revenge is that play. How you say it? I, I think really it's didn't Jacobian. know. Yeah, I have no idea. That's one of those words I've only ever read. <laughs> um, I know King James was right. James the yeah. First, why is it called Jamesian? That sounds dumb, Jimmy. Do you hear yourself? Oh yeah, Jacobian sounds so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because of what it is in Latin or something like that. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Anyway, so she sees this play, and one line sticks out to her. For no I reason. I forget what the line is, but the line includes the word Tristero. The name. I mean, Wait, is it? It's, is it's, it a it's, name? It's, it's, an, it's a name in the play. But I don't really understand why it stood out to her. But yeah, it becomes the basis of the book, so I don't know. So she, <laughs> after the play, she goes backstage 
and finds the director, who is also one of the actors in the play, says, hey, what did you mean by the line, blah, 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 Tristero, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Go away. Said, Where can I get a copy of that book? And he's like, you can't. It's in my head. And he says, nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> so while he takes she's a like, shower, huh, that's weird. he's like Harvey Weinsteininger. He's, oh, he's yeah. just lathering up in a steamy shower. And she's apparently hot, a hot 28-year-old housewife. So <laughs> then she goes and finds who published who like who has uh, who has this you know the the play published and finds the um pub the publishing company then goes to the publishing company to find the book and then she finds the book and finds the line and it's different it's not the same that line isn't there or it's just a different line altogether it's different so it was altered and then she goes and finds the author or or a a college professor named fucking i don't remember um, oh, um, with the with the guy with the machine? No, well, he tells her about the guy with the machine. This is not the guy with the oh, machine, though. Yeah, that doesn't matter. The, anyway, it is doesn't this matter. Mike Fallopian, though? No, Mike Fallopian is, is not the, Mike uh, is Oh, the he's the Peter the right guy. winger, right? Yeah. I want to say started with an N, but I could it's, be wrong. It's not, um, no, the, the, the director was like John, dribble, John Nefastus is the guy. Dribblette is the, uh, Nefastus is the guy who built the machine, which... Right. In oh, the okay. end, perpetual the motion, Maxwell's demon machine. Oh, here he goes. It's Professor Emery Bortz. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bortz. <laughs> um, and so he in in Doctor Bortz is like, where did you hear that? That that is not in the first quarto or whatever first quarto edition. <laughs> where I don't know where that came from. But and then she for reasons I don't remember, he tells her about the scientist. At the Yo-Yo Dine Corporation, <laughs> is that wasn't that what it was? Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. you know, Yo-Yo Dine. We, I guess they make atomic yo-yos or something like that. No, but they're clearly one of those aerospace engineering firms in you know California. But yet, something weird is going on there. Well, she meets a and, guy and tries to talk about the the muted post horn thing because she's seen a sign. She saw a sign for it in the bathroom. And it was like, go to the Waste Box. It's like W-A-S-T-E. It's an acronym. And she's trying to like charm her way into getting information from him. And all this while... And he like, was doodling on a notepad. Oh, yes. The symbol. The symbol of the, the horn, the muted horn. It's like, you know something. He's like, no. No, I don't. <laughs> but then... You know something. <laughs> he tells her about the scientist who's obsessed with Maxwell's demon... Which is this thought experiment, which it's just a paradox in the concept of entropy, which we won't get into. But basically, like postmodernism, it doesn't make sense. It's like he goes into a long scientific explanation, which was incorrect. But in the end, he was talking about this like thought experiment that led to this paradox, which maybe hadn't been solved yet at the time that this book was written, but there are is actually a solution too. But we won't go into. Oh, did they find because well, it's like even it science. <laughs> Even science doesn't make sense, which is kind of, you know, postmodernism. But, like, Maxwell's demon, right? It was, like, you have a, a two boxes and a little demon who decides to only let one type of air molecule or separates whatever. Them by either heat. S- separates the slow ones. Are going ones are going faster. Go go Does he use and, a silver hammer? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> And then somehow you'll violate a law of third thermodynamics because it used no energy. Because in this stupid thought experiment, demons work for free? Please, this is bullshit science, Nate. Which actually, the solution is that the, even just like having to think about it. Okay, oh, really, okay, Maxwell, John Clerk Maxwell lived in the middle of the 19th century. So computers hadn't been invented yet. But really he meant... It would have meant something like, imagine you've got a computer that can monitor the, all the molecules bumping around in this box and can move and can like open the door, o- open this little door between these two boxes only for the slow-moving particles, keeping all the large-moving particles, uh, fast-moving particles on one side, creating an energy gradient, which uh, means that you've got 
more energy on one side than the other, you're creating a concentration of energy rather than energy spreading out, which is not what happens with the second law of thermodynamics, also known as entropy. But the solution to this paradox is that even just the demon, also known as the computer, has to somehow calculate or think about it. And that thinking about it creates heat, uses energy, creates heat. And therefore, even though it's creating creating an energy gradient, it actually leads to, it actually isn't energy free. It actually does take energy to do. Is that why they call... putting energy into the system. Is that why they call computer programs demons sometimes? Yes, that is... uh, No, actually, there's a different reason why they did that. Mm, Okay. But it's the same idea. I just really liked playing Diablo (laughs) 2. Not the first Uh, one. No, actually, Doom (laughs) 2. Oh, yeah. Probably older than that. Oh, yeah, definitely older than that. There's some some play on the definition of the word demon, which is why some computer programs are called demons. Hmm. Can't remember the specific explanation though. You could make one up. You like, like the rest of this book. You could just you could just lie. See, I don't like that. It's not a lie <laughs> if it's postmodern, because there You're is right. no it's objective just, truth. It's just subjective reality. Yeah. Just because I just made it up on the spot doesn't mean it's not true. Saying it makes it real. It's just subjective. <laughs> you know, it's alternative facts. <laughs> right. So, oh, I get it now. Makes it real. <laughs> it's ten inches long, soft. It's. Uh, it didn't work. I think postmodernism has some flaws. <laughs> I'm looking right now, and it I didn't shrink. <laughs> uh, okay, and so after she does the the guy with the maxwells, does she just like? Can I do it? Maybe it's like he was like some people can stare at the device and make it work, and she tries it. And she's like, no, I can't do it. It's like you have oops. to stare at a picture of the guy on the device, and yeah. the guy is someone who. He's like a philosopher or like someone who had the ideas. You have to like psychically connect with the dude to power the demon. But only if you too are psychic or sensitive to the demon's needs. I don't know. It didn't make Which, any sense. Of course. It, and in it the end, doesn't make sense. she couldn't do it. So yeah. you were left wondering, is she just not good at this? Is she not right? Or is, is this it all not real? real? Yeah. We should also notice that note that uh, acid was a huge thing. It's also part of the book. Time. Yeah, her her psychologist, Doctor Hilarious, yeah, he's Hilaria Baldwin's grandfather. Yes. He <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps trying to prescribe LSD. That's <laughs> like maybe some LSD would help. She's like, I don't really. Doctors she, did prescribe LSD sometimes back in the sixties. There's still programs now, like experiments, like microdose it's people. Very very new. That they're allowing it again. Yeah. Back then it was like, some Tylenol? Mm, What about some acid instead? I believe I read that (laughs) Jimmy Stewart was prescribed acid a lot. I'm going to trip balls. (laughs) By his doctor, by his psychologist. He apparently did acid all the time. wild. (laughs) (laughs) What are they going to do at that boy's camp? Jesus, fuck, this dog's talking to me. (laughs) Out of his ass. (laughs) I was going to actually say something meaningful, but then I just started making fun of Jimmy Stewart's voice. Um, That was meaningful. It is. Just like all Uh, that ass in (laughs) postmodern. So the doctor, I mean, the psychologist, he thinks... The Israelis are coming to kill him because he like helped the Nazis in World War II. He was, he was a doctor a at Buchenwald. Doctor at Buchenwald. <laughs> <laughs> and so she goes back to see him in the midst of his uh, massive LSD breakdown while he's in a shootout with the cops. And she like gets the cops to come in and take him and she doesn't shoot him. And he feels bad about that. <laughs> and at this point, I had stopped understanding the book about uh, three quarters of the book before that. So at this point, it's just stream of consciousness <laughs> rambling to me. It was like, okay, sure. Yeah. We're back in the doctor's office. I don't remember how we got here, but we're here again. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a thing where somehow, and there was, she finds, oh, she also, she goes to the uh, gay bar in San Francisco, but that happened a while ago. The one? <laughs> it was the 60s. <laughs> was she went to a gay, the bar, gay bar in San Francisco. The gay bar known as San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> she only went to one. <laughs> 
So there's only one point in the plot where she went to one, which is what I meant by the gay bar in the book. Where the guy at the I gay bar I was not implying there was only one. The guy at the gay bar tells her that the horn symbol is like the, you know, lapel pinned yeah, fucking design for people who have broken hearts and their support group in Amorati Anonymous. And she's like, what does this mean? And they're like, nothing. nothing How is it connected to everything else? It's not. Maybe, because it's different. They're operating a different kind of mail service, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they only deliver packages to the rear. <laughs> <laughs> then she gets shown a stamp because she meets with like a you know a stamp expert, a philatelist, Genghis Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <that> was, <laughs> he had a lot of kids. Okay, some of them have had to be Jewish. <laughs> Genghis Cohen, who shows her shows her a like really old stamp with the symbol on it, or at least part of it. He's like, "Look, it's on this stamp from the 1600s or something like that." And then a bunch of stuff happens because that was actually before. And now he goes to the doctor, hilarious, and then somehow. It talks to Mike Fallopian again, who says, you know, maybe all of this is in your head. Maybe there isn't a real, you know, alternate mail service. And maybe this whole conspiracy isn't actually a thing. And you're just imagining it. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, you might be right. But I'm still going to keep looking into it. And then she gets told, she gets, gets told, I don't even remember how, this really long history about... Private mail service. Sixteen hundreds and the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, and the, the Tristero uh, and the, the symbol is the third coat of arms. Taxes. Yeah, the symbol is the coat of that arms was also for real third in Texas, which was a third private wait. mail service in Rome. In the eighteen uh, in the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, Holy Roman Empire. Mainland Europe in the eighteen hundreds. It was a real thing. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I only know that's real because of the Wikipedia summary for which I am currently still constantly going back to because this book was a series of non sequiturs colored in with gibberish. I think I should have this other beer. Yeah. There's so Good many idea. layers of stuff here. And I know we talked about it having stacks and stacks, but all these, these things just keep layering on top of each other. It's like plates on plates. <laughs> I thought Jimmy would appreciate that. This is from other half and it's called plates on plates. And it's an Imperial IPA that's 10% alcohol. And uh, maybe a plate. Several four packs of this in, in research, and it's goddamn good. Several four packs. Yeah. Oof. I get thirsty. Goddamn. Oh, I went to other half yesterday, Domino Park one. It's weird. I wore the Drunk Eyes Book Club hoodie. Nobody said anything. It's like they were, again, huh? they were intimidated by it, they were afraid. You have to go and like sort of start leaving the hoodies around. I <laughs> <laughs> go, someone left this hoodie from this very popular podcast again. Uh, who would do such a thing? This is a quality product. <laughs> <laughs> the Available screen. at their merch store, I believe. Yeah, probably at drunkguysbookclub.com. I imagine you can find it there. I think they ship. I don't know if they ship internationally, actually. I don't know. <laughs> I have no to. idea. But they will <laughs> ship to Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think. Never tried it. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of us live in Brooklyn, so. We could use a, p- a private mail service. That's. There you go. UPS. <laughs> <laughs> FedEx. DHL? <laughs> and that's DHS? DHL. No. Yeah, it is DHL. DHS is Department of Homeland Security. I thought it was like Security. DHL. I thought DHL was like the internet thing. I was like, no, that's DSL. <laughs> <laughs> the, the modem thing Yeah, right? from back in the day I don't know what it stood for Dick Second Lips, second lips yeah. Digital lips. subscriber line Really? Yep Okay Alright Straightforward Educational podcast We learned okay, too Okay, so she get this whole history From like the Holy Roman Empire And like all of this stuff Going into the like the French Revolution Saying that they caused the French Revolution they're like just to open up the mail service again, something like yeah, that. probably. And then helped, and then also led to the all the revolutions in 1848, 
and then somehow gets to more stamps. And apparently there's a set of stamps that might have to do with the Tristero, meaning the alternate mail service, uh, are being auctioned off in lot. And the auction lot is 49. Well, these are so, these are Inverarity's Inver- stamp collection. Yeah, Inverarity stamps, which are being auctioned because, you know, he died. So it's part of his will and blah, blah, blah. I guess something like that. Um, yeah. And so, and they're going to be, uh, they're going to be auctioned off, and the auction is going to be lot number forty nine. And there's going to be, and apparently, there's a mysterious buyer who's going to show up and and try and buy them. And so, Edipa is going to go to the auction and and try and see if she can spot who it is. Who is this? Because the center of all this conspiracy, all these things, seems to be centered on this one thing. And so who is this person that's going to buy lot 49? And she gets there, and the auctioneer is called the crier. And the crier, uh, and the crier is going to be crying all the lots, including lot 49. So she gets there waiting for the crying of lot 49, looking at the back of everybody's heads, wondering, who is it? The end. End of story. Yep. Boom. That's it. There is no resolution. Nothing it just ends right there. Meaning. Does not tell you whether it was real. Well, the conspiracy was real. Doesn't tell you if the conspiracy wasn't real. Doesn't tell you who is at the center of this or whether it was. It doesn't tell you if it was all in her imagination. It's just boom. The end. The literally the title has to do with more or less the last paragraph and nothing else in the whole book. Nothing. So yeah. if that's the title, though, you have to wonder, like, what's the meaning of it, right? Like, is it is this just, and here, I know the answer to this question already is going to be, could be, but is it, uh, like, that is the apex of her paranoia, or, you know, or did she discover something meaningful here, and you just don't know? Or is it nothing at all? Just random shit, right? Just because... They took a tremendous amount about entropy and chaos in this book. Can't be coincidence. And, and ending the book with no ending, without literally, it doesn't have an ending, I would say. I mean, technically it ends because it does go on forever, but it doesn't have any type of resolution that you would expect in a work of literature. I mean, after the rest of this book, I, I didn't expect it, but I also wasn't surprised. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Got me. So what the fuck? Um, what the fuck was this about? I don't fucking know. I don't even. I'm afraid to even say what I think because because you're right and you're wrong. There's no way I could possibly <laughs> be right. But also, who can anyone prove me wrong? Probably not. I think it was a series of contradictory things, just like random. Hey, this is a weird California thing followed by another weird thing, followed by another weird thing that it doesn't have to add up. In fact, the point is that it doesn't add up or make sense. Sprinkled in with some random actual facts about alternative alternative mail carriers and all that <laughs> kind of weird stuff. I think like postmodernism, the point is that it doesn't make sense. I think that's Period. The end. That sounds right to me. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> it, I, it could be. I mean, I think there's a big part about, like, what is real, right? And do we just superimpose meaning on the chaotic world that, that we experience? Yeah. Right? Like, is that's what she's doing, potentially. And I think that's what she is doing, right? Because uh, all that talk about chaos can't be there randomly. Or if it is, like, she really didn't pick up on that clue, and they're like, yeah, it's like that weird play we saw last night. Also, did you know that things are random? <laughs> and she's like, tell me about the play. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's part of it. Like we, 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 we crave meaning and structure and we force it even if it's not there. And we if you're, force meaning on things that are meaningless. Yeah. And if you're a bored housewife in the mid-60s, who has no... We didn't even mention her husband, Mucho Moss. Who works at the radio station KCUF, which is fuck spelled backwards. Oh shit, I didn't even get that. Okay. <laughs> that 
that's what it is. Yeah. That, that again, definitely not an accident. But you know, she has no structure. She has no like meaning in her life. Like, I can't. I'm not gonna find the passage now because I read a fucking Cro-Magnon paper book here. <laughs> but <laughs> fuck. But she Did and her husband format? have like a really weird like non-relationship. Like they don't really have anything. Like they don't. She is uh, bored in her marriage, and so she bangs the lawyer, and then tries to bang the gay dude, but no one wants to bang her because they're all gay. I mean, I read a few versions of like what people say this book is. It's like, oh, well, you know, the whole thing is the breaking down of her relationships, and the entire thing is about the theme of um, breakdowns in communication. And I was like, okay, sure. I mean, if you say so, I could see that. I don't know if that's all it is. So I mean, maybe you're right about the, you know, what is actual, what is real. But also, could it be like, what does it mean to even be real in the first place? That whole postmodern shit. Yes, and I think okay. It's- <laughs> so he let's see if I can get this straight. He was the point. His point of writing the book, or his message, his controlling idea or main idea was that people try and impose order on things that are meaningless. Hmm. So what he did is he wrote something that was meaningless so that people like us would sit around trying to impose order on it, impose meaning on it. Yeah. So he, in order to prove his thesis, which was that people try and impose order on things that are meaningless. Well, the whole thing about postmodernism is that it's, sounds it's self-aware. Postmodern, yeah. Postmodernism. What's yeah. more meta than that besides Facebook now? Um, <laughs> and uh, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace. Yeah, I was going to say Meta World Peace, but I didn't think anyone would know who that was. <laughs> uh, I did see this in St. the... St. John's University. Is it Queens, no, he, was Ron, he was still Ron back then. Uh, oh. I saw this in the uh, extensive research I did on the Wikipedia page um, in terms of what he said about this book. He says... Pinchon described in the prologue to his 1984 collection, Slow Learner, an up-and-down shape of my learning curve as a writer, and specifically does not believe he maintained a positive or professional direction in the writing of Crying a Lot 49, which was marketed as a novel, and which I seem to have forgotten most of what I thought I learned up until then. So he was like, I think he yeah, also I referred dropped the ball to it. on that one. <laughs> I think he also called it a short story with a gland problem or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read, I read Slow Learner. Uh, years ago, and it was fucking bizarre and crazy, but because there were short stories, the picture shorter. on the cover is a bicycle with a pen riding it. Yeah, I liked that cover. That was fun. It's like a it's like a fountain pen too. Yeah, very nice pen. Um, I mean, I, so even that, he's like, man, I don't know, I kind of I kind of fucked that one up, guys. Sorry. So like, if he thinks it's hard or not very well done, maybe that was part of the joke. Also, fuck. I mean, when it gets to this, it's like, yeah. Cuff. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I didn't hate it. I just thought it was very strange. and didn't make any sense. And I really did need someone to explain to me, why is this good? Like, I'm not saying it's not good. I just couldn't tell you well, why to- it's good, because I clearly don't get it. Well, to quote one of those uh, pesky California Republicans, uh, I trust that it's good, but I, I want to trust but verify, as uh, Reagan said about the uh, Russia's nukes. I I, I think this wasn't an unpleasant reading experience because it's short, and it has moments like I laughed reading it. Like, that's bizarre. That's craziness. I laughed at Mucho diff- Mas every time. That's funny, yes. <laughs> but just, I also, just like the... But I, I think it was it was fun to read because it's frenetic. It's just oh, it is. It's just crazy nonsense, and and it is fun and it's it's well written. Like the guy could write. Like there's great sentences and word. Like I like I appreciate weird vocabulary words and like that's something I enjoy in a book. So I'm like oh, this is that's a cool turn of a cool phrase there. That's a but you read it in a real book. You couldn't even double click on it to find out what the word is. Well, no, that's that's hard. <laughs> I, I I wish I knew I had this ability when I had to take the SAT, but apparently I I actually just know what words mean. Oh <laughs> like my God, I have a good vocabulary <laughs> now. I don't know how I developed that. I, I fucking did not have it in high school, but now I just remember the word. Like, oh, that's a great word. I will remember that and use that one day. 
and appear like a god amongst men. <laughs> when they say, <laughs> when I say that word. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, was, it was fine to read, but I finished it. This is the second time I've read it now, and I liked it in the sense, like I liked the experience of reading because it's like three hours at tops of your time, but I don't fucking know anything. I have no, no certainty about what the hell I read. It's like, oh, it was just a goofy, weird thing. I think if I read it again immediately after this, like I read it this week and now we're doing this. And if I read it again tomorrow, it would make a lot more sense. Like I know it doesn't make sense, but it make a lot more sense, but I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't think anyone should have to fucking work that hard for a book that you have to read it, discuss it, read it again. And then be like, I think I think I'm getting somewhere. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, we have, we, we have this same thing. For a lot of these books, and you know, there's you know, there's ki- all kinds of books, and some you need to sure, and some you don't. That's good too. And I don't, well, I don't necessarily like this. But I understand why it exists. I understand like the, the like the the point behind it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to read this myself because it's not something I really care enough about to really get into. Like you could get really into like the postmodern thing and. You know, once you kind of get how it works a lot better, it probably it's probably easier like to read the genre, but it's not something that I care enough about to put that much time and effort into because I don't think I would get anything out of it. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I uh, I'm I'm happy we read this and not Grier's Rainbow, which is what, I don't know, three, four times as long as this. And equally weird. I don't know. I just I have I actually have a physical copy of that too. And I read the first page and like I'm not ready for this. And, I just fucking, <laughs> and that was a that was like 13 years ago. Oh. <laughs> well, you, could, you probably could read through the first few pages at this point, but yeah, I, I, I get a solid 10. Try pages page two. <laughs> Still not I, page two. I have to admit, I am slightly curious to read Gravity's Rainbow a little bit. Oh my god, I need a, I, need I, a, think... I need a year off of any postmodern shit before then. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit now. I think it was a good idea to read a short thing of Pinchin or Pinchon or just the tip. Pinchon, just or the tip of whatever his Pinchon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> just, just it, it, having an idea of what his writing is like is definitely a good idea to not just jump into Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, for sure. Which won some giant award on the Pulitzer, but then they didn't give it to him. Like it won the, the Pulitzer, Pulitzer, and they were like, they... "No, it didn't." Like someone, like the what? Somebody vetoed it. I think, yeah. Oh, probably a modernist. <laughs> 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 it's like that. Uh, Norm Macdonald, Weekend Update. He's like the biggest, uh, biggest album of the summer, biggest band of the summer was better than Ezra. Coming in at number two, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> Modernists hate this guy. It's like, it's like the, uh, the postmodernist version of an internet ad. Modernists hate this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure at this point, maybe they have a better name for it, but there must be a post postmodernism at this point. Like, is, is this book's neo postmodern, <laughs> hyper modernism, or something like that? Probably. Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, See, once you call like something cyberpunk. modern, it really limits you for like ever after See, that. I, yeah, I think it's a, Neuromancer it's a really is hyper modernism. Uh, I mean, Neuromancer is probably just, it's, I mean, once you put sci fi on something, you can be, it, it stops, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Uber modernism? You know, actually reading it halfway through, I did this book actually reading it reminded me of Neuromancer in the fact that I had no fucking idea what was going on. <laughs> That's true. And anything could happen on any page. Like, literally anything could happen. It was like, oh, it's like Neuromancer. Yeah. Except in Neuromancer, at least the reason was like either space, space or Jamaicans, computers. or computers. This one was because <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I forgot about the space. How Jamaicans. could you forget about the space Jamaicans? <laughs> <laughs> that episode hasn't come out yet, has it? No, <laughs> it's that's, not. That's, it will someday in the future. And you know what? This day. will probably come out before that. In days of future <laughs> past. Um. So who should read it then? Oh you know, God! Because because there's 
two ways of reading this book. There's reading it to just be badly well, that was and a not at all. Thing. <laughs> well, no, yeah, true. But there's you could read it like I did the first time when I was like, that was crazy, and then I just moved on with my life. Or reading it for this time, I'm like, I need to fucking have something to say about this. I need to understand it a little bit better, which was a burden. It was yeah. onerous to try to understand this book. And that's by design, which, if you're listening, Thomas Pinchon, which you're not, dick move. Don't do that. That wasn't nice. Like, <laughs> if you did. want people to understand something, just fucking say it to them. Like, have you ever met a teacher? Like, you just imagine that's how your teachers taught you to read. They're like, you're going to have to work really hard. And at the end of it, you won't know if you've spelt your name right, Jimmy. <laughs> Good luck. Here's your crayon. It's every Polish name. <laughs> <laughs> I did uh, go on YouTube and just see if anybody just had a plot synopsis of this, which they don't. They it were nine hours exist. long. Not even on YouTube. There were a few. I, I, I looked. I saw some. I just never watched them. I was like, I, 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 watched, I had them open um, like my eight hundred tabs. I watched one video of somebody saying like why you should read Pinchon or Pinchon, whatever his name is, and he was saying like, yeah, it's good. You should read it. But he also had a PhD in literature, so he clearly knows a lot more about this than you know most people. But he also said one of his one of his tips was, if you get stuck, like you don't know what's going on, just keep going. Don't go back to the beginning of the chapter and reread. Like just don't yeah. don't bother with that. It, just keep it probably going. won't matter by the next yeah. page. <laughs> like you're gonna get bogged down. Don't get bogged down. Just just move on. Just keep going. One of the good reviews was like. This book feels like they just wrote it to make fun of people who don't read very much to make us feel bad. It's like, you know, I can see that. <laughs> like if you don't read a lot and you read this, like, yeah, I've heard of Pinchon. I'll read him. You read this, like, well, fuck this guy. I'll read a book next year, you know. <laughs> Entirely possible. I mean, I feel like, I don't know who he was writing it for. I mean, I guess he's writing it for literary nerds. Right? Like he couldn't have been like, this is going to be a bestseller. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think that a lot of the post guys were like... <laughs> pinch Pinch a loaf. <laughs> Shitty. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think any of the post guys would be like in it for the bucks. Because money's not real. Read. It's a concept. <laughs> I guess you should read the book if well, you want I mean, a challenge. Dollars are a fiat currency, so they really, you know... Oh, they shit. mean whatever you want them to mean, right? God <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> As I was like, reading this again, it reminded me of Infinite Jest, which I guess just, I should have that reversed, but I read mm. Infinite Jest first. And that's what I think of as the postmodern book, because that's another like one that's hailed as that. And it's, it's really just crazy, nonsensical stuff, and you have to work really hard to make it make sense. And I wonder, did the author work even harder that it does make sense and you need to find it? Or were they just like, eh, <laughs> let them figure it out, you know? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I'm sure not everything in here means something, but I'm sure a lot of it does mean something. Oh, the guy's clearly fucking smart, Joe. Yeah. It's just, he's also deranged. Like, I'm he's sure like it required a, joker, a lot of, you know? like... You know, super intricate planning to arrive at something where the point is to maybe make you try and figure out what matters at all. So I don't, I don't fucking know. It's hard. I, or to, I, I guess that is very postmodern, right? To to craft something that is purposely disorienting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it is. You were saying it. I forgot. Uh, I forget how postmodern of you. yeah it just didn't make much sense and it's not supposed to i don't think that's my i I don't think it's supposed it's not supposed to make sense but it's supposed you're supposed to maybe maybe you're supposed to eventually understand it or you can it can be understood but it's not meant to make sense in like an initial reading like oh of course it's like reading fucking any other book before this or it's like oh yeah it's got a it's got a plot and characters that do things in linear fashions, of course. None of that. Because time is a construct. I thought it was a flat circle. <laughs> Sometimes. A flat circle is a construct. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Uh, well. If you understood this, tell us what you thought. <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub <laughs> at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, why not leave a review wherever you're listening? Just round up to five stars. One for each time reading this book, you go, what? <laughs> and... <laughs> Not enough stars in the universe. <laughs> this podcast gets 296 stars. <laughs> um, uh, or, you know, head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and uh, you can support us there. Or just go, you know, I said this on another podcast, but this one, it makes more sense for this book. Or just randomly say the name drunk guys book club to someone on the street. And that Send would them on a fit quest. In, it would fit in the plot of this book. <laughs> And that would it wouldn't hurt us <laughs> well you never know it actually it might <laughs> speaking Just of hurting us our, you our can nemesis. join us on goodreads and insult us because we didn't understand this book unlike you and check out the hopped up network a network of independent beer podcasters and thanks for listening